0: Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. This week on the show, we've got Dr. Matt Smith from Ever Athlete coming to talk to us about the importance of strength training for cyclists. Before we jump in, we need to thank this week's sponsor, Competitive Cyclist. Competitive Cyclist is the specialty online retailer of road, gravel, and mountain bikes, components, apparel, and accessories. Featuring some of your favorite brands like Pac, Castelli, Pearl Izumi, On the gravel bike side, they feature frames from Evil, Niner, Cervelo, Ibis, really creating a big selection of gravel bikes for your perusal. But the real difference at competitive cyclists are the gearheads. Equal parts customer service, cycling fanatic. Gearheads are former pro athletes, Olympians, and seasoned cyclists with years of experience. All available by phone, email, or chat for personal product recommendations and hard-won advice. Last week, you heard me talk about my personal experience with Maggie. I brought her through an exercise to help me find the perfect gravel bike for 2022. And perfect for me, not perfect for what they had in inventory. I really put her to the fire and asked her a lot of tough questions about designing a bike that was gonna fit the type of riding that I do as an individual. So it's not like I was building a bike for someone In a different part of the country or a different part of the world she really listened to me and as i tried to point her to bikes that i thought were flashy or good looking she reminded me that those bikes were all good but based on what she told me about the riding i was looking to do she would recommend that i key in on a couple specific bikes and to be honest she was spot on all the bikes that she recommended i think it was the ibis haka The Cervelo, to a lesser degree, and the Pivot were spot on for the types of bikes that I would want to ride here in Marin County. One of the things that might be a concern for any product you're buying online would be returns. Competitive Cyclist has 100% guaranteed returns. So you can shop in confidence, whether it's a component or a bike, anything you need, Competitive Cyclist has your back. So go to competitivecyclist.com slash thegravelride. And enter promo code The Gravel Ride to get 15% off your first full priced order and free shipping on orders of over $50. Some exclusions apply. So go right now and get 15% off plus free shipping at competitivecyclist.com The Gravel Ride. And remember, that promo code is The Gravel Ride. We very much appreciate their sponsorship and appreciate that they're sending a discount your way. With that business out of the way, Let's jump right into my interview with Matt from Ever Athlete. Matt, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm super excited to learn a little bit about more about your background and about other Ever Athlete as I'm about seven weeks into my first program and I'm eager to talk about my experiences, but also look forward to some of the other Ride Strong programs. So why don't we start off by just setting the stage for the listener a little bit about yourself and then about the company.
1: Yeah. So ever athlete is now an online platform that's dedicated to helping athletes who, you know, perform outdoors on trails, in the water, on bikes. Our goal is essentially to create longevity to that journey and help people improve their performance. I started out, I'm, I'm a sports chiropractor and a strength coach and started Ever Athlete as a sports injury care clinic actually back in twenty fifteen. And since then, through the pandemic and, and a few other things, we have transitioned into doing some in-person one-on-one work. We work with a lot of different athletes and and different people, but we've transitioned a lot of our efforts to the online atmosphere and have taken a lot of the lessons that we've learned from working with high-level athletes and, and also amateur athletes and have started creating training programs, recovery tools, and injury rehab programs On to rewind a little bit, to give you a little bit more background about how we started. Again, we started as an injury care clinic, primarily focused on athletes and quickly transitioned into strength training as well we work with a variety of people but our goal is really to meet any athlete wherever they are on the healthcare spectrum or the health and performance spectrum whether they're dealing with an injury or looking to make it to the olympics you know, that's been the premise of ever athlete since we began and that's just been amplified in the last few years so that's that's a little bit about us
0: That's interesting. When you started, obviously, you went through chiropractic college. Did you act as a traditional sports focused chiropractic professional originally and then see that these were all different pieces of the same puzzle you were trying to solve for your clients?
1: Yeah. So before I ever went to, I went to a school called Palmer West for grad school. And before I went to Palmer and throughout my time going to Palmer, I was working as a strength coach. And so I've worked in strength and conditioning for about 15 years. And so when I graduated, I went to work at a pretty cool sports therapy clinic out in Austin, Texas, where we we were not traditional chiropractic. So it was a lot of people think about chiropractic as if you're going into a chiropractic clinic, you're coming in to get adjusted, um, and it's a mill. I've never practiced in that way. I've always been more focused on soft tissue therapy, corrective exercise, rehab work, and a lot of other modalities. And so from the the beginning of ever athlete, we've always we, we've always worked in a non-traditional sense with people, going through soft tissue work, teaching exercises, and then leveraging furthermore functional training and exercise now as a preventative and wellness model. And so it's always been a little non-traditional. It's always been athlete focused, especially from the beginning phases, but initially it was a little bit more, like I think of our company as a company that just solves problems for athletes. And initially we were very focused on solving, solving the the problems that athletes would have when they're dealing with injuries. And now we're diving far more into the performance space and, and also preventing injuries as well.
0: That's super interesting and resonates with me personally. I know The relationships I've had with the chiropractic community, the ones that have been the strongest have always been the ones that looked at my problem or my challenge holistically and never just simply as a chiropractor. Because honestly, as an athlete, I could care less about whether you call it chiropractic work, what you're doing on me, or it's stretching or strengthening or advice. I just want to have that session, get through whatever hurdle I'm going through and learn Mm -hmm tools and techniques to prevent me from arriving at whatever acute injury probably led me through the door in the first place.
1: A hundred percent. And and I think to, to your point, I've never cared if anyone called me a chiropractor. I've never really, I don't know if I fully identify as anyone. I don't fully identify as a chiropractor. It's certainly a part of what I do and has taught me a lot, but it's it's like a piece of it. And for me, the chiropractic profession There are a ton of really great practitioners who do a phenomenal job and focus on educating people and creating self-reliance in patient groups. And that was really the big thing for me, especially early on, was transitioning out of this role of having people rely on me constantly, and especially with our online stuff, creating more affordable avenues for people to get good high-performance healthcare and performance training has been a huge form of wellness care, whereas a lot of times, if you're thinking about wellness from a chiropractic sense, it's going to see your chiropractor once a week for your entire life. And and for me, just from a professional mindset, I've never 100% resonated with having that be my life's work. I've always really wanted to educate people more and provide more self-reliance through practical resources. And that's really what we've evolved into has been fast-tracked due to the pandemic, but, but it's been a a really interesting, this project, this online platform has been this like second evolution of ever athlete that I've been very stoked about.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's, it's never one single thing. And I think if for the listener, if you've got a relationship with a chiropractor that just feels like they just have you keep coming back in and they're not advising you on how to change your life or how to, avoid the situation you're in and it just becomes this weekly crutch that becomes one, expensive, and, and two, in my opinion, just not in your best interest.
1: 100%. And a lot of those models are based off of what insurance companies will pay out for in terms of getting reimbursed as a professional. And I've always worked outside of those lines. From the beginning, we've never been a part of the insurance game. And so it's been, for me, that's forced me to provide value in a way that is far different than trying to fit into that type of model. And that's pushed me forward into saying, how do we provide maximum value and self-reliance and empowerment for people not on a one-on-one basis? And yeah, it's been... It's not to to downplay chiropractor. There's a ton of really great chiropractors out there. There's phenomenal hands-on practitioners. And a lot of times people go through injuries or situations where they need some guidance. But I think the bottom line for me in terms of what I, I pride myself on is teaching. It's helping people become more resilient on their own. And that's really been our focus with Ever Athlete from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I think I became aware of Ever Athlete probably first through Kate Courtney on Instagram, going Mm -hmm. through her exercise routine. And and I'm pretty sure it predated any of the kind of ride strong and run strong and try strong programs that you've put out there. So I, I know when I started to see those things arrive in this online platform that you guys had been working on throughout the pandemic, I guess it really spoke to me in a different way to see these programs being very specific to me as a cyclist was just Mm -hmm. one of those pushes that helped me get off the dime and start. Can you talk about why strength training is important for cyclists and why it might be important for us to back off a little bit in our riding routine, particularly in the off-season, quote-unquote, and what we should look forward to throughout a strength training program? Yeah,
1: I think the conversation about How strength training can fit in for cyclists can go in a lot of different directions. I think the one thing to constantly come back to is the fact that sitting for long hours and pedaling is not, like it's pretty new for the human body. This is in terms of our evolution and what we were really designed for. That's not exactly in line even though it's very fun, it's not exactly attuned to what is most healthy for us movement wise. And so it's not to say that riding a bike is bad. It's just to say that there's an expense there. And one of the ways that you can combat that expense and ensure that you can do it for longer and potentially with more effectiveness, more power is to implement some strength training and the identification that, hey, riding a bike, being in a flexion posture, pedaling for long hours, the posture that you have to be in while you're on a bike is not super beneficial for the overall human body and again one of the ways that we can bring the body back into balance bring it back to a healthier state is to implement some strength training techniques and one of the biggest misconceptions when people start thinking about hey I'm an endurance athlete I I, I don't want to train like a powerlifter and I don't want to train like a bodybuilder you know that's th- those are barriers that You certainly don't need to start becoming a power lifter if you're going to implement some basic strength principles as a part of your training plan. And you can have a a tremendous effect by just implementing some basic movements, getting some good hip extension. Thinking about turning your glutes on and driving your hips all the way forward. We sit in hip flexion constantly on the bike. And that can be pretty uh, detrimental for the low back long-term and the hips long-term. And strength training is a really great way to start counteracting some of the repetitive stress that you'll find on the bike. And it doesn't take that much. It doesn't take uh, a huge commitment. It's these simple things that you implement over time that can have a pretty tremendous impact on your overall health, but also your performance on the bike.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think most listeners have probably had one of those days where they've just spent so long on the bike by the time they got up, it was difficult to stand fully erect. And, <laughs> yes. And that's a very acute sign that that's the way your body feels on every ride, probably to some small degree. Mm-hmm. And I know for one, I need to work at a standing desk because I just don't want to add any more sitting position in my life yeah. for the amount of time I'm, I'm actually riding.
1: Yeah, I think that's a super smart move. And your comment about seeing some of Kate Courtney's exercises and some of the stuff that she'll put up on, on Instagram, you know, I've worked with Kate for years now. And I think even with the stuff that she puts out, it's super cool to see what an elite world-class athlete can do. But I think when it comes to the audience who's listening to this podcast and also just like the endurance community overall, There's a lot of really high-level endurance athletes that are novice strength athletes. They just don't have – they haven't developed the same skill set that they have aerobically when they're in the gym. And the bang for your buck that you can get out of like really simple things that don't look cool on Instagram, bodyweight rows and – simple deadlifts or even bridges, I I think that the more exposure that we can give to like how simple it can be for people to implement very effective tools in their training program, that's a critical thing because a lot of people think when they see Kate's stuff or they'll see some of the things that Ollie, it's making it a little bit more like flamboyant than it needs to be. And so a lot of the programs that we put out get to the bare bones of simple patterns, that bring the body back into balance and build a more resilient system overall.
0: Yeah, for the listener, I can attest that in the beginner program, I have not balanced on a balance board and brought a <laughs> dumbbell around my head like Kate has done in a recent Instagram post.
1: She was just doing that 15 minutes ago in the other room.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. And, yeah. and funny because I do have a balance board, so I, I, I like dream of getting there, but time will allow that to happen.
1: Yeah, And that's a great, I think that's a pretty good segue in terms of like how you parse out your time. Like how can you, everything costs when it comes to training, right? Like it it costs time, it costs energy and how to be most effective for a lot of people. Doing some like simple stuff, not getting too overwhelmed with balance board stuff or anything. Like that stuff is very effective and can be very fun. But starting with the foundational principles of just good, healthy positions and movement can be equally, if not more beneficial, and is much more accessible. So,
0: for sure. And I know when I reached out to your team originally and I came in the front door as any other customer would, and I just said, here's the deal. I'm a lifelong cyclist and may have done some strength training many years ago, but essentially I'm a rote beginner in this. Where should I start? And the recommendation was this eight-week beginner strength program, which I'm Mm -hmm. seven weeks into at this point of the recording. And it's been good. We start at a very basic level, half an hour long workouts, maybe at this point, they're about 45 minutes long, Mm -hmm. But, but they add up. And you're not asking me you've never asked me to do any massive weightlifting or anything like that. It's just been about getting these basic motions down and introducing these concepts to my body, which it's been paced out in a, in a great way for me. I've never felt overly sore from an exercise or anything like that. It felt very appropriate. And I feel a lot more confident reaching the end of this program about what's next than I did when I first started.
1: Yeah. And and that's the whole premise. It's, one of the most challenging things, and I really commend you for being such an, an experienced athlete and, and also saying, Hey, this is a new skill set or one that I haven't visited for a long time. Let me start with victories. Let's build up some victories in the bank and give myself some things that are fairly simple to do. And I'm just going to continue to hammer them out and take bite, a bite-sized approach to the whole thing is really the premise behind the beginner's program. It's the, the program is designed to be very simple and progress over time in volume. And what that allows you to do is to reintegrate some of the software programs in your body and your brain that it takes to squat well, or to activate your glutes or to hold a side bridge position or, or whatever else the the things that you lose from not doing them. And especially if you've been riding a lot for many years and have not done any strength work, that's where you get the most bang for your buck is like integrating these simple patterns in bite-sized ways. And then you can make it more complex and add volume and add more load over time. But that's really the premise behind the beginner's programs, like to be ultimately accessible and then lead into some of the other Ride strong programs that we have that get a little bit more specific to positions that you'll find on the bike and get you a little bit more. We'll, we add in little different tempos to exercises, more load, increase the stability demands, and we add difficulty in a variety of ways. But starting out with foundational movement where you're just learning good patterns and practicing those things so that you can load them more effectively later without getting injured is really what our goal was when developing that, that program.
0: Yeah. That's certainly been one of my focuses is to really look at the instruction and make sure my body to the best of my ability is adhering to the correct shape and form. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, I know like anytime we're adding dumbbells in that if I have poor form, if I'm curling my back, if I'm not getting the squat in the right position, that's not going to serve me well as real weight starts to be added into the equation.
1: Yep. And and one of the biggest misconceptions I think that's out there right now is like, there's this like global agreement that strength training is good for endurance athletes, but poor poorly executed strength training can be the absolute worst thing for an endurance athlete. And you get a lot more, out of performing a good unloaded squat or lunge or hinge without heavy loads. If you just do the pattern well, you get just as much, if not more out of that than using really heavy loads and having poor form or potentially hitting a faltering in your movement pattern in a way that could injure you. And coming back to, hey, what's the point of all this? The point of all this is to reintegrate healthy patterns for the body and bring it back to balance and then start to add some load to build strength and power is really where we come from
0: so as a cyclist one of the things i noted in this beginner strength program which of i think of your programs this is obviously more generic to just get me started but Mm -hmm. there is a fair amount of upper body work that goes on. And as a weak upper body cyclist, that was, that's probably one of the bigger transitions. Can you talk about why we're working kind of the upper body and arms as well as the legs in these movements?
1: Yeah, in that specific program. So in the beginner strength program, the goal of the program is, is really just to develop not only strength, but just overall athleticism and a robust system. And so In that program specifically, it's really teaching you different patterns with the upper body so that you get a little bit more balanced. And I think when it comes to our Ride Strong programs and some of the upper body work that we do more specific to the bike, that stuff is critical for a couple different reasons. It's critical in the same way that like building up foot strength is very important for runners in the sense that that's your, that's like one of your primary contact points on the bike. And if you don't control... Well, with your upper body, if you don't have strength, endurance, grip strength and solid control of your upper body, especially in gravel riding with the amount of time that you're on the bike, you can start running into not only acute situations where you crash or you just lose control of your bike, but also long term, you can start running into poor posture on the bike, which leads to all kinds of issues, not only in the upper body, but also sometimes in the lower back, in the neck and building up a certain, not again, not, we're not doing like bicep curls and heavy bench press with our programs. It's more like integrating push-ups, grip strength from hanging pull-ups, all these different things that can be very beneficial just in terms of like control, just in terms of like confidence and control on the bike and maintaining healthy posture with your upper body.
0: Yeah, that resonates with me. It might be a good time to take a moment and just talk about the type of equipment that is necessary to follow these programs.
1: Yeah, so we have a variety of programs up on the site, including no equipment programs. So we have, we have a body weight strength program that's eight weeks long. And if you're looking for kind of a g- generic program to follow that will build up lower body, upper body, core strength, that's a great one if you've got nothing available. We also have kettlebell programs that just require one kettlebell that are also generic, very similar to the beginner strength program, but build up overall athleticism. When it comes to our Ride Strong program, there's a pretty good amount of equipment that you need, but any gym will have these things and then if you want to if you want to get pretty robust at home, you can. Uh, a few of the things that we have in our programs. I'm actually looking up our equipment list right now, but we have everything from like mini bands. So, those are little bands that you see people wrap around their legs and do like side steps or squats with. Long bands with handles are, are one piece of equipment that we use quite often that can wrap around a door handle or a pull or pull up bar. We use Barbells in our new Ride Strong. So, we're currently putting out a 20 week Ride Strong program. It's like a slow release right now, but we do have a strength cycle in there with barbells. So, barbells, bumper plates, all that. We use dumbbells. We use benches for box jumps and then for a few other exercises. And I'm trying to think here, what else do we use?
0: Yeah, I've, I was lucky in that I already owned a TRX that was gathering dust. Ah, in, we
1: do use TRX, that's right, yeah.
0: And the TRX was useful in that there were some modifications, so if you didn't have a pull-up bar, which I, I don't currently have but plan on getting, you could do a TRX derivative of that, and yep. I, the just FYI for the listener, the stretch bands, I think for $29, I got a set of the long ones and the short ones yep. that pretty much cover all my needs. And then I ended up just recently finding a deal on a, a barbell set. So I ended up getting oh, barbells cool. thinking I'm going to want it for this next stage, but you can take these things incre- incrementally. And that's what I've been doing. Just acquiring them when I have the finances to do so.
1: Yeah. And, and just to be clear. So last year we put out six months of Radstrong strong program, actually more than six months. We put out a full off season of Radstrong strong programming that required no barbell. So it was all dumbbell work, all bands, uh, a suspension trainer. And we have all of our equipment. The one thing that I didn't mention so far was a Swiss ball. We do use Swiss balls, particularly yep. in the Ride Strong program.
0: Good, because um, I got one of those and didn't see it in the beginner strength program. So I was hoping I would see it in the future.
1: Yeah, you will see it if you follow the, the 20, which I do recommend following the 20-week the Ride Strong program that we have coming out now. If you follow that, you'll see that in core routines, like we like to play around, particularly in like kneeling positions on the ball, using it for hamstring curls and a lot of different drills. So,
0: yeah, right on. That's actually a good segue into my question. So I've I'm fortunate that I got the bug early, and I'm finishing my eight weeks sort of the beginning of December. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend I move on to? It it sounds like it's that twenty-week program, and if so, could you describe the journey that you've created?
1: Yeah, and so to be clear, like what I recommend to you now, and really, like the conversation should revolve around goals. So everything that we, every the, the premise behind everything that we're putting out is to help people set goals and create a path from A to B. And so Craig, do you have any races coming up in the spring?
0: I'm sure I will. And here's my challenge in my coachability is it's difficult for me as a family guy to plan out my race (laughs) calendar. And it's often driven by balancing my desire with family obligations and ability to travel. But so I typically end up at maybe two to four gravel events, big gravel events a year, and then a smattering of local ones that I can drive to. Typically, yep. they're not going to start until March or April, I would say.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's pretty common. So if you're finishing up this beginner's program, I was looking at a calendar here, and you're in the first week of December, you've got about 12 to 16 weeks until you're actually racing. And you can jump into our 20-week program. I'll send you a note about this offline, but I do recommend like our 20 week program that we're currently putting out is based on a lot of the work that we've done with pro riders and essentially have taken those concepts and made them more available to amateur and lower level competitive riders. And we start out with a six week stability phase that's broken up into three parts. So three, two week phases. Yeah. And then we go into an eight week strength cycle that's broken up into two different four week strength blocks. And then we finish with a six week power and power endurance cycle. And so the way that we've created the program is to allow for flexibility. So say you have 20 weeks from an event or versus having 12 weeks from an event, we can clip things out and give you a custom program to have you peaking for your event. Um, just based on the programs that we currently have out. And we have a few other programs outside of the 20 week program that we're, we're currently releasing. We have a five week strength and power blend. We have a six week strength and power blend, and we have a 12 week progressive strength program. So there's a lot of different things that we can pull to basically figure out what's right for you. And this is a lot of what we're doing with people right now we're doing calls with people pretty often. And we include this in our membership where you can set up, you can shoot us an email and say, Hey, here's what I have going on. Here are my goals. Do you have any suggestions for my path? And this is a lot of what we're doing day to day is trying to answer these questions for people. So for you, I would recommend jumping right in, hop right into our stability phase one for, for this new ride strong program. It'll pick up in a similar way with where you left off from the the beginner strength series. And it's in the front half of this thing it's pretty low volume it's the same concept of working on patterns some of the patterns in the stability phase are a little bit more specific to the bike so you'll get that feeling a little bit more and then the volume starts to pick up as we start getting into the the later phases of the stability program and then furthermore into the strength phase so
0: for those who are unaccustomed to strength training in their winter of their cycling season is the yeah. conflict that if, if you're if I'm in a power lifting phase of this program come March and I want to go out and race, I'm just going to be too fatigued and played out to perform.
1: Yeah. So the way that our program works is it peaks in volume during the strength phase, because usually during that phase, like if we're really timing it with a, like a seasonal schedule for say cross country mountain biking, there's a time when the riding volume is low enough to where we have an opportunity to build up in the gym and we can do a little bit more volume and can boost that there becomes a secondary time in the spring or like the early, like late winter we'll say where that's not the case the riding volume kicks up a ton we're in full preparation mode for race season to start And that's when the gym starts to take a backseat a little bit more and our volume needs to go down. And that's really what we do in our power endurance phase. And we do recommend being conscious of volume, particularly if you are doing, if you're a cyclist who's competitive and you're doing a lot of time on the bike, many hours per week, then you need to be careful with overwhelming your system through just too much strength work. That's a huge piece of all this. And and pretty much all of the this 20 week program that we're putting out currently is very careful about volume in reference to, Hey, okay, what should I do leading up to a race? If I'm not following the direct timeline that we've written out, you can parse different things. I would take out part of the strength cycle and mo- I would like skip strength B, which is the second four weeks, and then move into the power endurance. cycle psych- part of things leading up to your race.
0: Gotcha. And one of the fears maybe from the listener and certainly in my mind is, okay, I, I commit to this program. And I think in these, in the strength phase a, it might even be three workouts a week, trying to figure out how to squeeze that in with writing and writing for pleasure. I think for a lot of my listeners, writing is an outlet that is is not necessarily about the competitive nature of it. It's like, what we crave every week to get out there and get in the wilderness. Can you just talk about, would you advocate lifting and riding in the same day? Is there a certain number of rides per week that you think about that athletes would typically have in their program in addition to these, the strength training routine?
1: It totally depends. This is a pretty subjective topic because different riders who are doing there'll be riders who are doing high volume on the bike but really this is like the first time that they've done any strength training versus there are riders who are not doing as much volume on the bike who are very familiar with strength training and have that cash in the bank and so their response to strength volumes can be and the way that i typically like the way that we've structured this whole program is to be two days of strength and then you have and these days are like 30 to 45 minutes in the starting phases. And then they kick up to about 45 minutes. And then we have a third session each week, which is a 20-minute core routine. And you can repeat that you know, throughout the week whenever you'd like. So you can do it once a week. You can do it twice a week. And so you can stack things to whatever makes sense for you. And part of the reason that we did that is we want to have a fairly flexible plan for people because it is there's just such a variety of not only people's schedules, but also how they respond to training, what their life off the bike looks like. Nothing is going to be perfect. And so in terms of what would be ideal, usually we'll stack strength days on very light, low intensity riding days is historically what I've done. And I've had other riders that try and do strength and an intense ride on the same day. But if you're just a recreational rider who's doing it for the enjoyment, which everyone should be doing it for the enjoyment, but I would recommend maximize your enjoyment on the bike. Don't let any part of your training program steal that from you. Consider your strength work as like you're contributing to the longevity of you enjoying your time on the bike and don't have your strength work be so intense that it starts pulling away from that so think of it as a long-term plan we don't hit home runs with this program it's all singles and doubles and you're really if you're starting strength work as a master's cyclist this year consider it like a 20-year plan and don't try and change everything in your first year of doing that dip your toes in the water just add maybe one to two days of strength per week and just see i would say two days is probably the the like optimal range, particularly for someone who's riding quite a bit, add that in and do it in a way that don't, doesn't completely disrupt your riding schedule, particularly if you're like very comfortable with a fairly like strict riding schedule and you know exactly how you're going to respond to that. Just add a little dose of strength. Don't try and go
0: ham on the whole thing. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. It's been interesting for me personally, as this eight week period, it just happens to be a period where, for whatever reason, I just haven't had a lot of opportunity to ride. So it's been, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I've got that right balance yet. So as I enter this next phase and feel a little bit more compelled to get in quote unquote riding shape, I'll want to get out there more. So I'll have to circle back with the listener and inform them how I'm doing on finding that balance between the strength training and the riding I love to do for pleasure.
1: Yeah. And I think that you're certainly not alone in that. It's, um, it can be fairly tricky, especially if you haven't done strength work for a long time or you've never done it. It's this new habit that you it's, no one can uh, address it the same way. No one can implement it the same way. And so figuring out what works best for you and playing around with scheduling and allowing yourself a little bit of flexibility on the front end to see how you respond to strength work and see how you feel on big rads after that. Taking the time to really observe and, and see what works for you, not necessarily everyone else is a critical piece to to making sure that strength and recovery work stays a part of your game plan for a long time.
0: Yeah, right on. That makes a ton of sense. And I think for the listener, check out the Ever Athlete website. I'll link to it in the show notes. There's as Matt's described, there's a lot of programs there that that The subscription is quite affordable. From what I've seen out there, I was really pleased and I didn't get hit by some massive dollar number. So kudos to (laughs) you and hope you get the volume you need because I know the production value is high and the effort you guys have put into designing these programs is quite substantial.
1: Yeah, no, we, you know, our whole goal with it is to make the lessons that we've learned with different athletes and also working from an injury care perspective making those lessons accessible to people is that's the that is the thing that's the legacy that i would want to leave behind for my career and so in terms of like a the dollar the, the pricing of our platform will not go up from what it is it'll probably go down at some point but it's our goal is to make stuff accessible particularly for people that we love hanging out with, which includes gravel cyclists, mountain bikers, road cyclists. Like we love supporting people's active lifestyle and and in terms of covering our costs and all that, like we are doing great And, and more than anything, it's been a really interesting project and we're excited to keep building it.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for all the time and insight, Matt. I really enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully for the listener, it wasn't too much of a Craig's journey to strength training. I feel like I got a lot out of it, but hopefully it's translated to everybody listening and you can find your own journey.
1: Oh yeah. Hey, thanks so much for having me on Craig. This was fun. Cheers.
0: Huge thanks for Matt for joining us this week. I learned a ton on my personal journey to strength training. I actually just knocked out another exercise before recording this outro. So I'm finishing week eight and feeling good about my journey and continuing on through the winter and hopefully hitting 2022 much stronger as a person and as a gravel cyclist. Another huge thanks to Competitive Cyclists. I appreciate their support of the podcast. Remember, visit competitivecyclistscom slash thegravelride and enter the promo code Ride for 15% off your order. Finally, if you've got any feedback for the show or would like to connect with other gravel cyclists around the world, I invite you to join the ridership simply visit www.theridership.com to join our free community and communicate with thousands of other cyclists around the world. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels.